0: Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and it's been another action packed week through the whole week of the National League. We had some interesting midweek fixtures as well, and we had a lot of fixtures in the FA Trophy and the National League over the weekend. Joining me, as always, to look over things is Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Also joining us is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hi, good morning. The standout game in midweek was Wrexham against Boreham Wood. Back-to-back big defeats now for Boreham Wood, and it's probably maybe a good time for Wrexham to have played them after that FA Cup game last Thursday against Everton. and. um yeah, a big win that for Wrexham, bit of a disappointment for Luke Garrard's men. And then he went into the big TV game on Saturday, didn't he, against Chesterfield?
1: Yeah, the, what, what we have to look at with Boreham Wood, as much as they've very much individually, collectively tried to stay very, very grounded, they, these are huge highs that we're talking about, you know, uh, beating Bournemouth and getting to play up at Everton. It's not easy to adjust. It wouldn't be easy to adjust for any squad, but one of the smaller squads in the National League that have also got their own um, injury issues as well. They travelled up to Wrexham midweek. And do you know what? Sometimes a previous game doesn't have much bearing on the next one between two teams, but I think this did. Um, Bournemouth travelled up to Wrexham a few weeks ago, didn't they? In the FA Trophy and lost 3-0. And I think that was also in and around the time that Wrexham stuck four past Aldershot. And all of a sudden, at the race course, Wrexham have started to get it right. You know, they've been picking up a decent amount of points all season. But, uh, yeah, they, they disposed of, uh, of Boreham Wood 4-2 in the week. And then, uh, you know, for Boreham Wood, as you say, um, back-to-back defeats. And then they go into the game at Ch- against uh, Chesterfield live on BT on Saturday. Now let's talk about the first half for maybe three seconds. It was rubbish. It was absolute rubbish. Uh, even Aaron McLean, who chooses his words carefully at halftime, really, really disappointed in it. He's got to be better quality than this. If these either or both of these teams are going for the titles for the title, then then it wasn't good enough. And to, in truth, it wasn't hugely better in the second half. But we did get some drama. We did get a couple of goals and the points were shared in the end, but for a while, Luke, it looked like the only unbeaten home record in English football, uh, professional football, was about to go. Chesterfield were given a very fortuitous penalty. I think even their uh, supporters uh, would admit that. Uh, A ball smashed against Jacob Mendy, where both of his feet are quite clearly outside of the box. He's leaning back, his arms not in an unnatural position, Smashes against uh, uh, his arm, and the referee gives the penalty. It was a big call, and uh, unfortunately, as the referee himself will know, when he watches it back, he got it wrong. Um, but uh, Chesterfield, uh, uh, Aqasia, Santi stuck away the penalty, but credit to Boreham Wood, um, they didn't play victim. They played, let's you know, let's get, uh, let's let's go and, and, and get ourselves an equaliser and. Uh, If if anybody really epitomised that approach, it was the substitute Adrian Clifton. who Very nearly scored just before a corner and then did score from a corner. A beautifully flighted ball from Josh Rees, who was far and away man of the match. Well done, Adam Virgo. You've got that right. Uh, Rees had brought out the best save I've seen in the National League this season from Scott Loach. A downward header, powering in towards the corner. Um, and Loach took a step first and then flew full length and uh, and managed to push push it round the post. Uh, all the action in that one. It's one of those, you could have come in about 15, 20 minutes from the end and you'd have enjoyed it every bit as much as those of us who watched the whole damn thing.
0: Got your reward in the end, though, for sticking with it, Rob. So well done uh, to you there. Interesting, quickly, Dickie, on Borenwood, I know you mentioned after Kidderminston, the sort of little hangover that they had and... Telford playing him next game and you said it would have been a good time to play him mean, it felt like it would have been a good time for Wrexham to play Bournemouth, Chesterfield to play Bournemouth after the FA Cup exploits was not it
2: yeah quite possibly you know it, I'm sure Luke Garrard you know we we spoke to him and and he spoke about this you know run of one and and just the next game being the most important one but I think almost naturally there's going to be A little bit of a a, a down period after, you know, having all of the attention on you the way that that Boreham Wood did um, last week um, and the lead up to that game. Um, So, yeah, it's how they respond to that now. I mean, a a point yesterday, um, I'm sure you probably would have wanted more, to be perfectly honest, but given the situation they were in, you know, a goal down with a couple of minutes left, um, you know, they'll take that, won't they? An
1: interesting point of discussion after that game uh, with the pundits on BT was about you know examining the title credentials of both those two teams. And I think it's, a little, it's quite easy, really, to fall into the trap after a one-all draw when both teams massively needed a win in that game yesterday to sort of start writing them off. But I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't write either of them off yet. And I certainly wouldn't say, as one or two people inferred, that it's a straight two horse race between Wrexham and Stockport now. Um, There's going to be twists and turns over these last couple of months. And, uh, you know, with the eye off the ball, if everybody starts, you know, forgetting about teams like Halifax, who Mm. are in good form and flying, and we'll cover their you know their um, exploits over the last week shortly as well, but there, there's a, a good handful of teams still chasing that title, uh, and knowing very much that if they don't quite make it, then they want to position themselves squarely in those playoffs. And the, and the battle for the playoffs is hotting up as well. But we'll get to that, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned Halifax and Stockport and didn't play. They played in the FA Trophy quarter finals over the weekend. We'll get onto that later on. But Halifax are in fourth place there. Just three points off second-place Chesterfield, seven points behind Stockport with a game in hand. Uh, It was hard work for them. They beat Dover, who obviously we know are now relegated, but Dover didn't make it easy for them, as you may well expect. In fact, they took the lead through Alfie Pavey for Billy Waters, equalised five minutes before half-time. And Matty Warburton scored 21 minutes from the end. And at this stage of the season, Rob, it's, it's not about performances, it's just about results, isn't it?
1: Just about getting across the line, you know, You it'd be very hard uh, for um, Pete Wilde to, you know, get the message across in his dressing room before the game. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter what he'd said. Those players individually collectively thought, it's Dover at home. This has got to be the most winnable game we've got left in the rest of the season. And then bang, it all goes wrong after 10 minutes. And uh, And I think that shows a little bit the quality of Halifax yesterday. I mean, the goals were well-timed, weren't they? They... They just steadied the ship, got themselves back into it before half time, <clears throat> And then, uh, you know, they've scored a second goal with 20 minutes to go. And Halifax, one of those teams that you would uh, you say have got a good chance to to, to just see a game out from 2-1 up with 20 minutes to go. And they just keep rolling along. Yeah, they've got their three points there in that one. And uh, the thing is, Pete Wilde is a very good manager. We all agree that. Anybody you talk to, now he will have learned a lot from the last couple of seasons and uh, he'll still know the pain of those playoff defeats. And uh, uh, and, and as much as we talk about them going under the radar and surprising people, Halifax have been in and around that top seven as much as any other team this season. Um, And when you look at the table, they've hit the 60-point mark now after 30 games. That is fantastic. Averaging two points a game over 30 games, absolute quality from Halifax and they are very much in it.
0: Yeah, don't rule them out. I think it's a case of if you stop Port and Wrexham, you rule out Halifax at your peril, you, it may well come back to bite them, but but who knows? Uh, Grimsby, they're in the last playoff spot. They got beaten in midweek, but they bounced back with a 2-0 win at Yovel, Sean Scannell and Emmanuel Dissaruve scoring his second in three games, and they took advantage of other teams playing in the trophy like Bromley and Solihull more, so a good win there for Paul Hurst, men again, quietly going under the radar. Just when you think maybe they're putting a run together, though, Grinsby, they're one of those teams that then go and lose a couple and drop out of the playoffs again.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? With smaller teams like Halifax, Boreham Wood and Solihull Moores looking slightly more uh, assured of their playoff place, at least, come the end of the season. Um, there's a couple of big clubs that keep swapping places and... Uh, and, and just on the edge of it there with Grimsby and Notts County, and one of those big clubs could miss out, couldn't they? Uh, but for Grimsby, despite improved form generally across a number of games of late, they haven't quite been able to penetrate that top seven and they did yesterday. They've played uh, a game or two more than, than most of those sides, um, but uh, they're very much in the hunt. Uh, but I would say, yeah, for sure, uh, with the games played and, and 12 points off the league, Grimsby are very clearly... Battling for a playoff place,
0: another team hoping to get in the playoffs. It's a tall order for them, uh, a tall key. I know you had a close eye, eye Rob, on their game at Kingsland, didn't you?
1: I did. Um, unusual circumstances that meant, meant with all the shot not having a game that um, I, uh, I very nearly actually went went to the game. Very nearly covered the game for. For, for BBC, there was a request went in, but I was just finishing a short break myself, and it didn't quite pan out. But I kept an eye on the uh, on the on the result on the game itself, and uh, uh, yeah, Torquay, it's fascinating, isn't it? We just tried, I think, a week or two to say that that might be it for Dagenham and that might be it for Torquay, and uh, then they go uh, bang bang, a couple of wins, and you just look at it and you wonder. There is, um, you know, uh, a a six-point gap for Dagenham and an eight-point gap for for Torquay. And it would be a very, very tough ask. What you'd need from one of those teams is probably to win 10 of their last 12 and then hope that one or two of those above them just slip up in their form a little bit. But uh, it's interesting to note that, um, you know, those sides are are just starting to pull wins. I mean, Gary Johnson won't be giving up, will he? Um, that 's for sure, uh, but there 's a lot of points, a lot of teams above them uh, and and the standards are going to be high over the rest of the season, Not out of it, um, probably the next time they lose, if they lose in the next couple of weeks, you might just about be ready to draw the line
0: for King 's Lynn obviously, their struggle's continuing there's some really interesting comments about the referee now. It's not from a fan, not from the manager, but from the chairman, Stephen Cleave. And I want to get your, uh, your your thoughts on it, guys. Should a chairman be sort of criticising a referee on Twitter?
1: Well, he's got previous, um, you know, uh, and he divides opinion, Stephen Cleave. I've, I've, I've found him to be very engaging when I've met him on a couple of occasions. He's done a little chat for the podcast, hasn't he? But he does tend to very publicly uh, call out things that aren't right. That's his nature. That's his character. He's uh, no shrinking violet. I've not seen the quote, so I don't want to talk about it individually. Uh, Maybe you've got a quote. I don't know. But uh, obviously, it's going to touch a nerve with him because we know, don't we, that some of his previous rants this season have been about key refereeing decisions that were wrong. Um, And, uh, you know, it will have hurt. Lynn now, they're in the last throes of their fight to try and avoid this relegation and they need every key decision, they need every point to come their way. Uh, and for them, it wasn't to be on Saturday and, uh, you know, maybe that defeat uh, was just about the final now in their coffin. He
0: said he said several tweets, he said, today's referee Paul Johnson made some decisions that defied all logic. Um, and he also says that the he's also tweeted that he will be complaining to the FA about his performance and have raised my issues with the match observer, he was very fair and taking him on board, but we've now been on the wrong side of a number of poor decisions and it needs to stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reality is every
0: single referee gets
1: assessed uh, almost every week these days, as I understand it, you know, um, and uh, their performance ultimately, whilst it goes unnoticed by the clubs and the teams and the players and the managers and the chairman, um, their performances are monitored. Um, you know, and, and uh, forgive me, I don't have his name in front of me, but the guy that did the TV game yesterday, you know, ultimately anybody looking on at that, looking back at it for him, unfortunately he was decisive. He made a big call to give that penalty against Mendy and it was wrong and it won't help him in terms of his own career when you make key mistakes in big games, especially ones on on TV. As for the one at Kings Lynn, I haven't seen it yet, so... Uh,
2: Unfortunately, I can't comment. Well, on on on. Well, I've just uh, had a look, quick look at Steve and Cleve's comments because I had not sort of picked up on them before. But you know, they're dare I say they're not out of keeping with the way he tends to conduct his business, which is is something that Rob's mentioned there. You know, he's 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 also spoken this week about. Um, uh, almost kind of joined in criticism of his former manager, Ian Culverhouse, who's now moved on to Kettering Town and um, w- w- was speaking about having recommended some players to him, which Ian Culverhouse didn't take on board. And, um, you know, I think I've seen some comments in response to that. Lee Fowler commented and said, you know, when a chairman starts getting involved in running the football side of things and the selection side of things, he, he sees that as a, a potential signal of, of, of problems. And, um I just, I think Stephen Cleave, in in the in, I wouldn't say in the best possible way, but he just sort of can't kind of help himself really. He's he's very um, engaged with what is going on at Kingsley, and I'm sure he wants the best for them. And and when things don't go their way, unfortunately, he does have you know, this uh, habit of, of speaking out, possibly speaking out of turn. Um, but I don't think it's going to change him, to be perfectly honest. I think he's going to continue to do that. Um,
1: he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, he's a passionate, he's an emotional man. And uh, really and truly, you know, the sounds of it as well, especially with those 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 particular uh, comments that you're talking about, Dickie. Um, you do wonder if maybe he, you do wonder if maybe he wants to be a Mark White. That does everything, you know. That that maybe he 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 you know he 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 would like to do the whole thing. Might if he really wants to do that, m- might need to do that perhaps at a, a lower level to, to 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 um you know to build his own reputation as a as as a manager as well. But I mean, listen, chairman, we'll all have always have opinions. Manager's mm. job is to listen, nod, and then do what they think anyway.
0: Yeah, I just think, I think the part is, should it be on Twitter? It's the sort of thing you keep in house, don't you? But anyway.
1: The trouble is, he would feel very aggrieved and he would have witnessed it. And he's probably governed by fairness. And he's like, that's not right. And he, and he feels the need to call it out. Mm. Um, the problem in that situation is that everybody that wasn't there, everybody that doesn't care, sees it. And it doesn't look particularly good mm. for him, does it? You know, that's, that's the problem. Um, I, I don't doubt at all that Kingsland have been on the end of some some rough old decisions this season. But there's ways of dealing with it. Mm. And uh, I have to come back to Boreham Wood again. And I have to come back to Luke Garrard again. And if you saw his post-match after an emotive finish to the live TV game, he said that referees have to make decisions all the time. He made the decision he made. And I'm sure over the course of the season, we'll get the rub of the green. Um, you know, that was classy, I thought. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and no doubt his feelings about that decision would have been tempered by the fact that Boreham would got back into the game and they, they preserved their unbeaten home record, don't get me wrong. But knowing Garrard, as, as we do reasonably well, you know, we've all met him, chat him uh, chatted with him, and um, he's, he's quite a classy manager in, in defeat or when things don't go his way. And uh, and, and, and that's, you know that's something that helps you build your reputation in football.
0: Rob, I know you wanted to, uh, move it, moving, moving away from all that now, I know you wanted to point out Wheelstone's result, didn't you?
1: Well, their results, actually. They lost 4-1 to Eastley last weekend. And then they've quietly gone about their business in the week with back-to-back wins, six points on the board. It's taken them up to 38 points now in 15th place. And I just want to say, well done, Wheelstone. I don't want to sound patronising in that, but I think... We all know they are one of the teams really punching being in the National League to be 15th with 10, 11 games to go uh, and pretty much secure, you know, uh, short of, uh, you know, one uh, short of uh, Weymouth, you know, suddenly piling five or six, seven wins together in the last dozen matches or so. Then I think they've secured their safety with those six points over the last week um, and uh, well done to them. Interestingly, they came from behind as well, right on half time, which is always a killer. Bradley Ash putting uh, Weymouth ahead against Wiltstone. And uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's been a pattern of late. Weymouth have been getting ahead in games. You know, they were they were twice ahead against Bromley a few weeks ago, weren't they? And they really are the team in the bottom three that have shown the signs that that, that they might just get something together, but they can't get any momentum with points. Uh, it was a double for Reese Brown, Jack Cook with the other goal in between them and then Josh McCoy pulling one back later but a 3-2 win for Willstone, six points in a week and what that game really did for them um, it, it, it did what um, you know it, 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 it lifted the gap from, uh, from 13 points from safety to 16 by beating the team in third bottom and uh, I, I think securing Willstone's status in the national league next year uh well done wheelstone
0: horrendous week for weymouth though they got beaten at home by halifax last week they had a dreadful tuesday night at alchemy and they were four nil down before half time eventually lost that game five nil and then as you say rob they were leading in that game on a saturday and ended up losing it and they'll have looked at alchemy and wheelstone and what to have picked up points and they picked up none haven't they
1: yeah, no, exactly. I I I've temporarily forgotten that game in the week. You're absolutely right, and uh, all that does really for me, Luke, is it highlights something else that I know we're going to talk about more more so perhaps with uh, with, with yourself as a as a northerner not too far down the road. But what a little run of form that Altrincham have got into, back to back home wins, smashing in the goals, and and we noticed, didn't we? It's 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 kind of the old getting the band back together, isn't it? You know, in the last few weeks, you've got uh, Mooney. And Holm and Ryan Colclough in fantastic form. Quite how Ryan Colclough has has not made it into the England C squad, I don't know. But obviously, very difficult job for, for Paul Fairclough to narrow that one down to 16. Perhaps he's on the reserve list. Perhaps he'll get involved at some point anyway. Uh, Matty Costello with a couple of goals in the week as well. But uh, what a front four that's looking just now. And all of a sudden, you know, for all that tinkering he did around Christmas and picked up the criticism and lost his form, um, Dickie, um, Mr. Parkinson, the other one is really starting to purr again uh, at Oldrigham.
2: Uh, yeah, he seems to be. Um, you know, as you, as you alluded to there, you know, they did go through uh, something of a sticky patch, and 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 Phil Parkinson shuffled his hand and shuffled and then shuffled again. But yeah, in the, in the last uh, six games, four wins in their last six, and and I think any um, concerns we might have had about them slipping towards um, you know the relegation places, even though that would have been Distinctly unlikely um, have, have have really been alleviated by this this little run of form, um, and I think Altrincham you know can quite safely look forward to another season in the National League next year.
0: A late late winner for Woking against Maidenhead, uh, they left it until the ninety fourth minute. Nikki Kabamba getting on the score sheet and uh, a massive massive win for them. Still managerless Woking, of course, but that'll have done them the world of good, won't it?
1: Yeah, they got a point in the week with a nil-nil with Kings Lynn, and then they backed it up with uh, a late, late winner. It didn't look like it was going to be there. That would have been huge relief for Ian Dyer, huge relief for the Woking fans. They've been on a wretched, wretched one. I think I, I don't I haven't got the stats in front of me. I think it might have been eleven or twelve without a win. Um, and then Nicky Kabamba, you know, triggering memories for me of uh, when he got his first order shot goal and it was late on at Dover and it was a 1-0 win. And uh, it got me singing live in commentary, the, the, the other song that rhymes with Kabamba, which I'm not going to sing again now. Um, and, and and Woking very much got that moment. And uh, that's a feeling they haven't had for a while. Um, I, I, you know, their, their, their place is pretty much secure in the National League next season. It's just a matter of who comes in and when. Um, but a, a, a really decent three points for them. And, and unfortunately, the old criticisms of uh, of Maidenhead are going to come back, aren't they? You know, for all their resurgence and their decent results against the big boys recently, they've gone and lost in the space of uh, four days to Wealdstone and Woking. And uh, poor old Alan Devonshire will be scratching his head again, will not he?
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Inconsistency, blighting, Maidenhead. Well, before we look at the North and South, there was the FA Trophy quarterfinals. We're we'll getting to the business end of that competition. Some big teams still in it on Friday night. Notts County faced Wrexham. They played on Friday night because Nottingham Forest were at home on the Saturday. And Notts County went ahead through Connell Rawlinson. But Dan Jarvis and James Jones got the goals to send Wrexham through to the semi finals. The other three quarterfinals were played on Saturday. Bromley beat Solihull Moors by three goals to one and they had to come from behind in that one. Callum Maycock gave Solihull Moors an early lead in that one. Two goals from Michael Cheek and then James Alarby with the goals there.
1: Yeah, just a quickie on that one. A brace for Michael Cheek and as much as he's been, you know, racing away this season with the goals in the National League and we said good old Michael Cheek doing it again, he's had a quiet-ish period, hasn't he? So, um Obviously, those uh, that brace coming on the back of him being named in the England C-Squad. Um, something that I've got to say, Luke, you called when we talked about, you know, what way would Paul Fairclough and, and, and Mick Payne and that, what, what what way would they approach it? You know, and would they say to somebody like a Michael Cheek, who's been, you know, double figures, four or five seasons run in this league, would they actually turn around and say, yeah, on the back of all that, you weren't with the no age restriction, you weren't being in that side? Um, and it feels right, doesn't it, Michael Cheek, being in that squad?
0: Absolutely, yeah, and um, hopefully he'll do himself justice when they take on Wales at the end of the month. Uh, come to a win for Stockport County, they brushed aside Needham Market, a few changes made by Dave Challoner, but they were three and a lot by half-time, two goals from Alex Reed and one from Jordan Keane. See the Hatters through to the semi-finals, the most dramatic game was down in East London, Dagenham and Redbridge faced National League side National League North side York. Uh, Paul McCallum gave Dagenham and the lead on 15 minutes, continuing his recent goal-scoring form. He got a couple of midweek as well at Yeovil in the league before a very, very late penalty, the 97th minute from Clayton Donaldson. Now, I've seen a video of this, and it's from behind the goal and the York fans, you can hear this York fan going, there's only five seconds left. There's only five seconds left, and upstep Donaldson. Chipped it down the middle. If you if could be any cooler, uh, it'd be frozen, put it that way. But he chipped it down the middle. It went to penalties. And York ultimately got through on penalties. And Dickie, what a result that is for York, considering their recent resurgence.
2: Yeah, I think given York's recent form, we we maybe shouldn't be um entirely surprised, but you know, the, the dramatic nature of that game is 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 the the standout feature yesterday. You know, a penalty in the seventh minute of injury time and then to take it the way that Clayton Donaldson did um, you know, to to, to take it into the, the shootout is is quite phenomenal really. And then a save from Pete Jameson in the shootout. There were there were a number of uh, unconverted penalties in that shootout, but we got into sudden death and yeah, Pete Jameson was the hero for York City. Um, John Askey won National League North Manager of the Month for February for a fantastic run in the league. They stayed in seventh place uh, in in the league off the back of that result yesterday as well because other teams behind them um, weren't able to make up enough ground. So, you know, from, from the point where... They, they dispensed with the services of Steve Watson and John Askey came in. I think there were some people perhaps weren't very inspired by, by the idea of John Askey as manager, but, you know, very quietly and in just the, the way he does, he's got York City going in the right direction. Yeah. And why not be inspired and why not be
1: inspired by a manager that got a team promoted out of the national league to the football league, whatever it was five seasons ago now. Um, and just a juicy looking semi-final um, Four teams in the semi-final: York City, Stockport County, Wrexham, and Bromley. Um, and obviously, three of those four sides—very big clubs at non-league level—you could see a big crowd at uh, at Wembley if if two of those three get through. And they're, of course, to spoil the party in the way that they do, and potentially return, you know, for the for the second time uh, in a number of years um, to Wembley in the trophy final. Will be Bromley, and they've got previous. And they'll want to go one better this time if they get there, of course.
0: We're going to look first at the National League South. And in the National League South, Rob, last week we had Mark and He was, held his hands up after their defeat to Dartford, said he got it wrong. Well, they have bounced back in dramatic style, didn't they?
1: Oh, they certainly did. Um, they've had the goalkeeper sent off after three minutes. And Alfie Rutherford, their top scorer has donned the gloves and, and, and gone in goal. Um, and, and they made light work of having 10 men, to be honest. They took the lead through Nick Wheeler on 17 minutes and Ed Harris doubled the lead just inside the second half. And then they've had, uh, you know, they've had a couple of close penalty decision calls as well. Um, and, and, and you're thinking that, you know, they've cruised it and then bang, you know, Josh uh, Nembard uh, gets a goal back, you know, with nine minutes to go and all of a sudden they're hanging on. Um, but um, it, it was a quite unbelievable and remarkable three points in the end for Dorking, you know, with 10 men for almost the entire game and a striker in goal. Um had a quick exchange with Mark uh, White about that yesterday, and uh, yeah, he just said, Roy of the Rovers stuff, striker in goal for 88 minutes, unreal.
0: Uh, funny enough, I saw a tweet from uh, Alfie Rutherford as well, he sort of said, Goodwin, disappointed I didn't keep a clean sheet though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, that's the hunger in him, I suppose, isn't it? He, whether you're a striker, he then goes in goal. You're always wanting to to do well, aren't you? Whether it's scoring or keeping the ball out. but um,
1: Yeah, he, he would have had to adjust his his own kind of goals for that game, wouldn't he? You know, it wouldn't have been to get on the score sheet. It'd be very unlikely to happen, uh, unless he's on pens, of course. But... Um, yeah, he wanted to keep a clean sheet and didn't, and and he would have felt, wouldn't he, stood in that goal for seventy-eight of those uh, uh, minutes or however many it was that he, he might well, he might well keep a clean sheet. So he would have been gutted to concede in the last ten minutes. But I think he'd taken taken uh, three points overall in that game.
0: What made it even better for Darkin was Maidstone slipped up away at Slough. They fell behind to Edon Pruti's opener. And then there was a second goal from Josh Jackman before Wang Luke got a goal back. And it was an interesting tweet from Scotty Davis who said, "Somebody from Maidstone, like, you're celebrating like you've won the the World Cup." He's like, "Well, we've just beaten a very, very good side, so we've got every right to celebrate." But a blow there for Maidstone and a brilliant result for Slough.
1: Yeah, it was um, a big blow for Maidstone. You know, the, the, with the previous week's results, they'd actually got to a situation where they were virtually in control of their their own uh, title uh, you know, ambitions for this season. But it turned out to be a really, really good day for Dawkins, actually, because uh, Maidstone weren't the only one of the top sides to lose on Saturday. Uh, Oxford City went down 3-1 at uh, a very, very good Ebsfleet side, who are still on the fringes of that race and definitely in a playoff race. Elliot remain with a couple of goals for them.
0: Three wins on the spin for Ebsfleet that now as well.
1: Yeah, they're pulling into form at the right time of the season as well. Uh, Haven't a Waterloo, I think. Uh, Missed the midweek results in that division, but is that perhaps their third uh, win back to back now with a one-nil win at Dulwich Hamlet? Uh, Manny Duku with the goal there early on in the second half, and the other game, um, you know, from 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 those uh, promotion chasing sides, the other team that went down. Uh Dartford uh, Steve Kingslock despite uh, taking the lead through Greenwich on nine minutes they ended up getting a bit of a hammering a couple of goals from Young um, Alefi Santos and Hanks um, gave Chippenham a 4-2 win against uh, Dartford and and if 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 one sort of game one scoreline summed up a team uh, that's it for Chippenham Town everybody wants to write them off every season but uh, they get the job done
0: Yeah and uh, Big blow for Dartford as well, losing Kieran Mertz to a red card just before halftime in that one. Down at the bottom, well, I know we mentioned last week about teams might be sweating if Billericke pick up a couple of results. For boy, did they pick up a result on Saturday? They won 4-1 away at Hungerford Town. I don't know who would have seen that coming, but it was a really good result for And What's been an interesting week off the field for them, Dicky's going to tell us more about that in a minute, but... They were three and up at half time. Nico Muir opened the scoring. Michael Chambers added a second. And then Dylan Gavin added a third right on half time before Greg Halford got a four, two minutes into the second half. And Hungerford would have been shell shot. They got a goal back through Ryan Seeger on 53 minutes. But massive, massive result that down at the bottom for Ricky Town. And that moves them to within four points of Welling and a game in hand. We'll get on. With what happened to wellington in a minute, but interesting week Dickie, for Billericay, so much so that football financial expert Kieran Maguire even tweeted about them this week.
2: Yeah, he did. I think they um, uh, he he'd been having a look at their their accounts, and they've uh, there was a, a, some pretty big losses that, that were reported in Billericay's accounts this week, which I you know uh, it, it's probably not completely down to the people who are in charge now, you know, we, there's probably a legacy of um, previous owners in there as well, but you know, that, that kind of, um, it's not a huge surprise, is it? You know, that that Billy Ricky were, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest financially doped, you know, they were, they were given, you know, a a big hand to get into uh, the the National League South by, by the, 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 finances of the previous owner. He took those away and, you know, now they're facing the consequences, which is, is pretty unfortunate, really. But, you know, it's it's a story we've heard so many times.
0: Billerickey play St Albans at home next week. St Albans are in the playoff places. So that's going to be an interesting game. Both teams have got something to play for in that one. Uh, Welling, they drew 1-1 with Bath. Bath are in a bit of a rut at the minute, as we heard, still that long run goes on without a win. It needed an 81st-minute goal for Welling by George Allen to get them the equaliser. But ultimately, it cost Peter Taylor his job, Rob.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you wonder if the decision was already made there. Um, it's a bit surprising, isn't it? Um, they were they were looking doomed earlier in the season. He came in and, and he pulled them away from trouble. They definitely obviously have slipped back. They've slipped out of form of late. Um, and they're still very much... Um, in a fight to uh, to try and avoid that one-place drop with Billericchi, who've uh, who've got the momentum now and they've got the likes of Welling and Bath in in their sights and that would have been the best result of the day for Billericchi yesterday on the back of their cracking win to see that Bath and Welling are drew and uh, they'll believe they can get out of this Biliriki. Um, As for Peter Taylor... Well, his managerial career is long now and it's uh, spanned many, many levels of football. Uh, Quite incredible when you think that he's managed the England team um, and now he's lost a job at uh, the sixth level of English football. Um, But he'll keep going, I'm sure.
0: That was only Bath's second draw as well of the season, but it does stop their losing run. They say Albans, they lost at home to Concord. They do stay in the last playoff place, but a big result for concord there it was a goal from danny green in the 79th minute which gave them the victory there and tom Bridge and braintree they drew nil nil uh, as well a, a good point i think for both sides it just keeps their heads above water and uh chelmsford they lost at home 1-0 to playoff chasing eastbourne borough and it was that man again charlie kendall on the score sheet he can't stop scoring can he
1: he can't, no. He's in a rich vein of form. Fair play to him. I mean, you would, wouldn't you, to, to, to get that big move and then to still be able to, 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 to do the business for the club that you know you're moving on from. Um, that's a nice situation for him to be in and uh, he's taken full advantage of it.
0: So let's move on and look at the National League North and the big news, Dickie, in the National League North this week is, is AFC Fowler got a brand new manager and James Rowe is back in yes. management, isn't he?
2: He is indeed, yes. Um, uh, Jim Bentley uh, left his post, I think, uh, what was it, just over a week ago now. Um, I, I tend to look at it and think that it was perhaps the availability of James Rowe that, that might have tempted File to, to act when they did um, with Jim Bentley. And you know, they brought in somebody who, from our experiences of, of having spoken to him, um, we know that when it comes to football matters, James Rowe is a winner. And I think that will have appealed very much to AFC Fylde. They're in the playoff positions, but they have faltered. You know, they've slipped a bit. They were looking at automatic promotion. I I don't think that's an option for them now. But, you know, um, I've no doubt he will bring a a fresh approach Mm. to um, AFC Fylde. And, and, you know, and, and yeah, they got him off to a great start yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was met with a lot of uh, a lot of consternation on Twitter, wasn't it? Obviously, with the off field stuff, there may be still be things going off behind the scenes there, which which obviously needs to be resolved. But, like you say, on the field, uh, it was a tough test going to a Kidderminster side who maybe just faltering a little bit, but it proved again. Uh, reading the comments on Twitter, it sounded like he had filed <laughs> playing in a slightly different way and more organised. And, and ultimately, they got the three points at Kidderminster.
2: Yeah, they did, and and that's all that that, that matters on the day. I, I mean, you you're right to say about the. I think wherever James Rowe went after what had happened at Chesterfield, and we still don't know all the details about that, and we're very unlikely to. I think we, th- there's always going to be a lot of noise around him, but dare I say, it, AFC Fyld, um don't seem overly bothered about that. To be perfectly honest, they they have an ambitious chairman. Um, and uh, chief executive, and they, they know where they want to get to. And and they've seen those qualities in James Rowe and, and, and they've been prepared to take him on on a three-year contract. Um, as I say, got a win yesterday at Kidderminster Harriers, given the lead by Nick Horton after just five minutes. Uh, and it was a lead they maintained until the end of the game. Kidderminster, uh, are they suffering a little bit of a hangover from their FA Cup um, exploits you'd have to look and feel that that perhaps they are you know they they lost at Gateshead last weekend they've lost against Fylde this weekend um they have a, a game in midweek they are in form Spennymoor Town which isn't the easiest of places to be going um and then they go to Brackley next weekend so this is a this is a really really big period for for Harriers um they've not started it particularly well let's say with two defeats and and they'll be um you know I think they're still going to be a playoff side based on where they are but I think any lingering hopes that they were perhaps still in a position to be able to use those games in hand and push for actually winning the title might just have gone with those couple of defeats in the last week
0: yeah they're nine points behind Brackley who, who you saw Dickie on Saturday they, they beat Telford didn't they
2: Yes, they did. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think Brackley Town were at their best on Saturday, and I think Telford, um, given the fact they had a couple of new signings on board, one of whom scored, Devon Green, the former Southport player. Um, I think they gave Brackley a, a pretty good run for their money, and possibly. Maybe even probably deserved a point, which um, they were denied by the frame of the goal late on. Andre Wright um, striking the crossbar from a free kick. Um, But yeah, Brackley took control of this one fairly early on. Janai Gordon with his first goal for the club after his arrival from Hereford. Um, He'd been at Stratford Town earlier in the scene as well. Matt Lowe um, got the second goal five minutes later, adding to his hat-trick that he scored in midweek in a a crushing 5-0 away victory at Guiseley. Um, and yeah, it was a, a, a not entirely satisfied but um, um, content I would say, Kevin Wilkin that I spoke to after the game. Kevin, you were just saying there that um, performance today maybe wasn't entirely to your liking but satisfied with the result. Yeah, 100% uh, satisfied with the, with the result.
3: Um, I think, you know, looking at Telford have made life really difficult for us today. I was able to watch him at... Um, Catching early, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago, and, and you see the, you know, got capable side with, with good players in it. Um, you know, they understand that the system and the way that they play. You know, good goalscorer in Orswell in in the side, and it's, it's been far from an easy ride for us today. And I would, yeah, I would say Telford can count themselves unfortunate not to take something out of the game. We've, we've lived a little bit. Uh, dangerously there at times and maybe got away with one today but look that's that's where you find yourself we'll say you know the endeavour that we continue to show probably earns you that little bit of luck if it is so to speak and uh, yeah you know as you say we'll take the we'll take the result and we move on to next week
2: yeah 12 games to go in the season um obviously you won't need me to remind you of the position because you know you, you know where you are in the table i mean it has has the way your team played this season surprised you at all have they exceeded your expectations a bit um,
3: I don't know if it surprised us we you know we know we can be competitive we, we think we've recruited well in the summer we did lose uh, one or two key players but just finding that bit of belief in in some of the others that we've had that we are you know working with and trying to progress and make them understand how good and effective they can be it's been a real positive to us and you know there's several of those boys that have been with us a little while equally we've got a, outside of that there's, there's, there's quite a few that are sort of around the 18, 19, sort of 20 year old mark that hopefully we'll, we'll you know, we've got coming through now that will gain some experience off of back of what we're doing now. Um, and, you know, we've, we took that decision in the summer to, to try and recruit younger players and, um, try to work with them and develop them hopefully that will prove to be the case and as we move forward um, hopefully they can have an impact in, in what we're trying to do here Sure
2: I mean the, the, the recruitment here at Brackley is something that always strikes me um, very much you, you have a core of players in, in your Gareth Deans and um, you know Danny Lewis in goal and things like that but in as much as you've you know lost players and I wouldn't say lost because they're players you've sort of like gone and progressed themselves I'm thinking like Connor Hall a couple of yep. seasons ago was here Um you always seem to find somebody else to drop really nicely into that. I mean, Lomas has, has come into the centre of your defence and, and you know, I think the clean sheet count this season sort of speaks well for yeah. you know, your the, recruitment in that respect.
3: They've done very well and, like I say, Louis, what is he, 21 years old and, um, you know, proven, and we get him in, in the group and he's, he's proved to be you know, so far and touchwood, ultra-consistent for us there and, as you say, he's at a great age and uh, wants to progress, hungry to learn. Lives and condition himself in the right way and buys into what the, you know, the group belief is. So that's all important. But yeah, you know, the players, they're the ones, and as, as, as much as they want to effort, they, they want to put into it and discipline and belief. You know, the, the, clearly the more they get out of it and you know you're quite right we you know, we lose alex good um, who, who you know done very well for us and, you know connor hall we lose it goes into full time football Thierry Dell and we've we've had to try and replace these players and yes we've 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 kind of kept the backbone to to what we are but certainly it's not easy to to keep finding players that are going to fill the boots but i think it credit to the you know the staff that I've got around me and, and the people at the club that that back us and and um you know the discipline and and uh Togetherness that, that, that you know that we show, and, and that, that sort of team ethic, and everybody buying into that is, is is key
2: and paramount to them, you know, progressing within their careers. Awesome. I mean, just before you know, I, I turned the, the, the microphone on. We we spoke very briefly about. Um, the size of the club, and you said yep. that being at Brackley means you don't, maybe don't necessarily have attract the pressure that that, that some clubs do or the expectation. Yep. Um, I almost feel like that feels like something of a of a strength for you, though, in that you know you are close knit club, everybody knows their role, and um, and I think that would you would you agree? With that? Yeah, I
3: think. Well, I think you know the the culture that we have at the club, and. and you like to think top to bottom, like you say, people roles and responsibilities are identified, and that's you know everybody on what you would say is the periphery. So you know people that come in and work within the management team, and there's a tremendous amount of desire and endeavour to to get that right and progress that and be as professional as we can. And we're fully understanding, you know, it's a small settlement area, and um, you know we're never going to be the you know the size of Yorks and and Darlingtons and and Herefords and and these sort of clubs but certainly you know people doing the right thing and trying to be as professional as we can from top to bottom in the club never mind on the field you know it comes from from outside of that and and again I'm really fortunate with the the team that I've got around me that really really professional guys that, that work to a fantastic level and I think that you know what the players can produce on the field is evidence of that hopefully um but yeah, you know, we want to come here and enjoy our football and um, try and be competitive in each and every game that, that, that we face. And certainly, with you know, with this group so far, we've we've been able to do that. Um, yeah, there's, there's not the perhaps a squeeze on those players that you may find at a, one of the bigger clubs. But there's still an expectation from within that that group that we want to do well, and we have high standards, and we're going to be disciplined about what we do. And again, I think that's that, you know, hopefully. There's an evidence there and a, and a, um, a consistency there that, that, that proves that you know that we can be exactly
0: that. Yeah, and that was Kevin Wilkin and Brackley. They're in a decent position. Well, I say a decent position. They're in a very good position. They're three points behind. Gate said with with a game in hand, aren't they? Could could they be champions, Dickie? I mean, Gate said a flying as well at the minute. We'll get onto them shortly. They won again, but could Brackley be champions?
2: I think it's entirely possible. I mean, they are two. Gateshead and, and Brackley are two very different sides. I mean, Gateshead are a, are a more free-scoring team, um, which I think you'll see evidenced by the big difference in the, the goal difference between the two. I think Gateshead um, is something like, uh, I think the goal difference is, it's 36 for Gateshead and 26 for Brackley. So I think even if Brackley win their game in hand, I think goal difference is going to keep them um, below um, Gates said at the moment, but that's at the moment, you know, it's we're into that position now where with only 11, 12, 12 games of the season left to go, you know, that any slip, any drop points in any game um, is, is vital and it's just which one of them is able to cope with the the, the pressure of that um, better. Uh, having spoken to Kevin Wilkin yesterday, and you will have heard that in the in the interview there, He's very keen to play down, I think, expectations around Brackley. Um, I think privately that won't be the case that, you know, that, that having got themselves into a position, they, they will. Um, I, I'm not sure they would necessarily view it as failure if they didn't win the league, put it that way. But having got themselves into this position, I'm sure that there is a a resolve to, to go on and get the job done. But that's not what Kevin Wilkins is projecting outwardly, you know, speaking about, well, you know, we're still glad to just be involved and be in position at this point of the season. I think feel like comments which are designed to, you know, lift any pressure off his team um, and, and just allow them to go into these final dozen games or so and give their best.
0: Yeah, at the top, as I mentioned, Gates said they had a very entertaining win away at Gloucester, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they did. Um, they maintained their three-point lead at the top of the team table. Uh, Mike Williamson's team um, won both halves of this game by two goals to one Macaulay Langstaff gave them a lead in the fourth minute Danny King leveled midway through the half but Adam Campbell had them ahead again Um, just around the half hour mark it was 2-1 at half time Jordan Thompson leveled for Gloucester early in the second half but then Gates had pulled away Greg Olley with the third goal Langstaff starting what he finished with the fourth goal he moves on to 21 goals for the season he is the leading scorer in the National League North at the moment. Um, and yeah, I would imagine that was a fairly satisfactory day for Gateshead away from home. I'm probably not thrilled about the fact that they conceded twice. But again, at this point of the season, it's about getting the job done. They got all three points and that's probably all that matters.
0: Yeah, Charlie and Southport in fifth and sixth. They clashed yesterday in a Lancashire derby and it was Charlie who came out on top.
2: Yeah, this might have been the game of the day in any other week, um, if it hadn't been for the the Fylde and Kidderminster game. Um, But yeah, big all Lancashire derby at Victory Park between Chorley and Southport. Jordan Archer put Southport into an eighth minute lead, but two goals from Ollie Shenton. corrected uh, what's been a real dip in form for Chorley lately. They've stayed in the playoff places, but they've, they've, they've been drawing games and they've lost a couple rather than than winning them. So this was a much-needed victory for Jamie Viglio's side yesterday. Shenton leveled the scores on the hour and then scored two minutes into injury time um, to take all three points.
0: Yeah, Boston, uh, moving closer to York, although they played a game more, uh, Paul Cox, is kind of just making them a bit more solid. Now that's one defeat in five. They won 1-0 away at Geisley, who we'll, we'll chat about in a mi- minute, Dickie, because they're in a horrendous run of form and there's a really interesting game coming up midweek for them. But Boston, a uh, good solid win for them.
2: Yeah, it was. I mentioned when in, in speaking about Brackley about the fact that Geisley uh, were defeated 5-0 in midweek. So, you know, it, that, that that's a difficult kind of result to bounce back from in only like four days later. Guiseley almost got a reward from this game, but Scott Pollock's goal in the 87th minute took all three points for Paul Cox's team. Um, And yeah, they're just two points behind York now. As you say, they have played a game more. Um, York played in midweek by virtue of the fact that they were in FA Trophy action yesterday. Their game against Darlington was brought forward uh, and they won that 1-3-1 in midweek to keep their good run going. So, um, yeah, but uh, Boston won't feel that this is done by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Hereford missed out on on moving up the table, didn't he? They could only draw 0-0 away at Leamington. There was a lot of mid-table fares yesterday, which produced quite an entertaining, uh, some entertaining scores, especially at Bradford Park Avenue. They won, they lost 3-2 at home to Curzon Ashton, who recovered from their defeat last week. And also, Kettering, you've been on a decent run under Ian Culverhouse. They eh? ran into a really informed Spennymore. He uh, got a good victory at Charlie in midweek. But uh, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Marlin doing a decent job at Spennymore.
2: Yeah, they're just starting to get things moving in the direction that they would want, obviously, in terms of, of results and points. But I think they're they're, they're reshaping... Um, Spennymore Town, there have been a lot of, of ins and outs. You know, they've had a number of players move on, um, they brought a number of players in, um, that they're, they're, they're making them more, um, in the image of Johnson and Morley side by the looks of things, um, compared to, to what Spennymore have had in the past. But you know, they've got the services of Glenn Taylor, we speak about him every week. You know, I wax lyrical about Glenn Taylor. Um, he secured. Uh, all three points from yesterday with a winner in the 77th minute. And it was a record-breaking goal for him as well. It was his 140th goal for spending more time, taking him one ahead of Gavin Cogden as the club's all-time leading goal scorer. So, yeah, there. Are, if, if you walk around the outside of um, um, the brewery field, you'll see um, there, there are photographs of uh, Jason Ainsley and uh, their FA Vars winning side from sort of, you know, the last few years. I don't think we're far short of, of having a statue of Glenn Taylor outside the ground before uh, long, to be perfectly honest. I think he's just signed a contract extension for them as well. And I know that Anthony Johnson, when he was the Chester manager, I saw him once ask, answer a question on Twitter about, you know, who was the one player from another team in this division you would sign if you could, and Taylor was his answer. He's getting to work with him now and, and he's, he's delivering the goods for him.
0: Good win away for Chester at Blythe after... They've been in a, a terrible run of form, haven't they? Chester? And, and Blythe, after an initial bounce, new manager bounce for them, uh, they seem to be struggling. And they've got a huge game coming up. They travel to Guiseley on Tuesday night. If Guiseley win that, they drag Blythe into it. And Geisle have got two games in hand on the teams above them. So it's who blinks first, really, in that one, I think.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't. I think there are a number of clubs <clears throat> at the bottom of the table who cannot rule themselves out of um, you know, relegation danger completely. Um, it, interestingly, I mean, I looked at the scores yesterday. I think there was only one team in the bottom half of the table that did actually manage to secure a win yesterday, and it was Chester. It was a, it was a, a much-needed victory for them because their run of form had seen them slip uh, closer and closer towards um, the, the clubs who you'd say have got genuine relegation worries but uh, yeah Matty Williams Marcus Dackers and George Glendon gave Chester a 3-0 lead Sean Reed did cut the deficit with a, a consolation goal for Blythe but the, their form's not great um, and really there aren't many teams at the bottom of the division whose form is great I mean they're, they're nobody seems to be making a real break for freedom if uh, as it were and um yeah, the, the top and the bottom of the table um, in the National League North are both very, very tight. And I don't think we can call it at either end. Farsley Celtic got a point yesterday from a goalless draw with, with Alfreton, although that only closes the gap just slightly. On Telford, cuts the gap to one, doesn't do an awful lot for, for Alfreton's claims. Um, just coming back to a couple of those um, mid-table games that you mentioned, you said about Kettering Town there. Um, they, um, they've they slipped out of it a little bit. I think they were perhaps owing the potential of a playoff place, but I wonder if that's drifting a little bit. They had Connor Kennedy sent off in that defeat at more yesterday. And I should mention, I think, what is the individual performance of the day as well, which was... Um, Hat-trick for Kur's nashtons Alex Curran in that win at Bradford Park Avenue that you mentioned. Um, Lewis Knight put Bradford into the lead. Curran then took over, scoring in the 24th, 29th and 63rd minutes to get the match ball. Lucas, Lucas Odenston cut the gap. But yet yeah, all the three points were heading back to Tameside. Curse-Nashton in 10th. Bradford remain in 16th. Cheers, Dickie. You're very welcome, Luke. Always good to speak to you. Nice one. Cheers, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, cheers,
1: guys. Pleasure as always. Have a great footballing week.
0: And that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in to us. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NLFullTime. It's the same on Instagram. And give us a subscribe. You can hear it on your podcasting platforms. It gets uploaded. As soon as we upload it, you'll get it onto your device as well. Give us a like and a review and we'll see you all very soon.